This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Bulavanaka and welcome to another episode of Can You Be More Pacific? My name is Sarah Nangama and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Dean Halatau. Fakalafalahiatu, everyone, and welcome to the show. We've got plenty coming up in the next hour, including a look back on the weekend in sport. We've got an interview with rising rugby star Grace Karunivalu, and we've got a question for, you can ask that. There's plenty to get through, says story time, anything this week. (laughs) I can't wait to get to story time. <laughs> Clearly, I can see it in your face that you're so excited for my Tories. <laughs> um, my story for this week. Well, I did some unusual things and then I also learned some lessons. So it's not your usual spin of like a hashtag Sarah situation. So depending which way you want to go, I can give you one of each or both. Is One of, uh, one of each is both. Yeah, you're right. So one, one or the other. One or the other. Yeah, that's what I meant to or say. Or both, both. Yeah. Okay, both. So exposure has been great, right? A lot of that has to do with this show. And I've like gotten so many requests like to do really, really cool things, but I've reached my point and I have podcast fatigue. Really? I have podcast fatigue. Is that a real thing, Nelly? Can you talk to that? I mean, only as someone who listens to podcasts incessantly. Yes. <laughs> but I've, I've never been asked to be on one. So, I mean. <laughs> Fatigue from listening. I know. Fatigue from listening. Listen though. to this humble brag over here. Oh, I've just got so many opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I promise, I promise there's a, there's a great tale coming. Yes. So I've, I've done a fair few and I've said yes to honestly everything that's come my way. And that was perfect throughout lockdown because it was a great project and just really cool to increase profile. But, you know. Freedom has returned to Sydney and you both know Sarah hates a party. She hates a bottomless yeah. brunch. She hates a one-to-one kind of session, you know? <laughs> and then I had said yes to this podcast on a Sunday at 7.30 p.m., which was great because I'd already like agreed to do it. But then I was like, I said to my partner, Lee, that's it. I'm not doing any more podcasts. I'm only doing Can You Be More Pacific? And that's it. Do you reckon that's fair though? That's fair, yeah. Give yeah. all your energy to us. I just, I'd rather be here all here because this is, this is my family. This is where I started. No one would know that I could podcast if I couldn't do this one. Do you find on the podcast that there's a lot, like, because you're talking about yourself, you repeat a lot of stuff and then you get lost like, did I say that already or did I say that in another podcast? Exactly. And this is, this, is, this is not me being like an idiot. Like this is genuinely true. I am tired of telling my story and that's how I know that I need to like be much more selective. <laughs> no, much more selective because like I'm thinking big picture in 10 years time, no one's going to want to read my book because I've already said it all. So I've just put it out there that I want to release a book in 10 yeah. years' time. 10 years, the long jump, skateboarding, roller skating, yeah, look, tech I've, ball. I've, look, I'm a big noter. We know that much for sure. A couple of World Cups, hopefully by then as well. <laughs> a couple of NRLW premierships. <laughs> there you go. But then on the flip side of that, the craziest thing is that I went and did hill sprints in a graveyard and it freaked me the hell out. Yeah. I've used many things as markers in my lifetime, but, you know, RIP to everyone there, not graves. <laughs> Honestly, I reckon if I, t- I haven't told my mum or my boom boy yet because I know they're both going to flip it. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, what about you, Dean? What's been happening in the world? of De- Hang on. Someone had a wedding anniversary recently. Yes. On Sunday, it was my wife and I's, uh, Rochelle, it's a wedding anniversary, 12 years together. So it was, uh, 12. well, 12 years as husband and wife, but 16 years have been together all, all up. So we did... Nothing on the actual day. We just like hung at home with the kids, really just having a real lazy day. So um, good. But then, yeah, on Monday night, I took her out for dinner. Had a really nice dinner, good time, just asked no kids. and Happy anniversary, Dean She's done well to last with me for that long anyway. But thank you very much. Good work, Rochelle. Kids went back to school. I went back to work in the office. So it's a lot of things happening at the start of the week. Yes. Sorry to our listeners if that was a very underwhelming start, but I promise you we're working on it. We had some tasks last week. One of them that was due for completion last week, but you didn't get it done. What's the ruling on when the ball falls off the tee? I really, really wish that you would forget things, but you really haven't let go of this rugby ruling of what happens when a ball falls off a tee. So World Rugby, guys, they got back to me. They take, they take a They're long very slow, time. World Rugby. World Rugby, very slow. Got lots of things happening, you know. Um, but they got back to me and they said, uh, I'll read the email out to you. Dear Sarah, thank you so much for your inquiry. We've looked into the rule book and it's, uh, it's come... We've concluded, sorry, I'm sorry, I can't read this right in front of me. We've concluded that players have 90 seconds to convert a try. And as soon as they make a step towards the ball, the opposition 
can rush towards them to charge the ball down. If it falls off, you just set up for a restart. So what happens to the rushes coming through? They have to turn around and go back and you just redo it? No. If you rush, as soon as they make a step towards, it's like if, so say for instance, they've said, oh, then kind regards world rugby. So so basically they have the ball on the tee, right? And then as soon as, so then they can walk back. So you know that they're saying, but as they're making their, as soon as they take their first step towards the tee, that's when players can come off the line and charge it down. If they're setting up and they haven't taken a step and the ball falls off, they can reset it. But if they've already attempted to make their first step and it falls off, they have to try and kick it as it where it is on yeah. the ground. Yeah, okay, and it happened. Gotcha. Um, I think well, earlier this year or late last year, and then Boda Barry just like picked it up and drop kicked it. Oh, good. There th- you go. Quick thinking. Well Thank done. Thank you so much, World Rugby, for coming through. We had another task from last week. We had to come up with it. It's, gonna, it's the homework now? from this show. So, yeah, we're giving ourselves <laughs> lots of lots of tasks, but obviously the the NRL has um, announced an expansion team for twenty twenty three. The the Dolphins are going to be coming into the competition. Um, based in Queensland, uh, in Redcliffe, but they're just the Dolphins. And we were tasked to come up with a starting 13. Do you want to give me yours, Sarah? That's, that's their theme song. That's fantastic. I did that last week, and you guys laughed at me. I thought that was Nelly's. Nelly's was pretty close to that. Mine was nowhere near it. Yours was way off. Way off? You're a sheep. I was not a sheep. Adelaide Rams aren't back. You're a sheep. <laughs> okay. Anyway, this is my starting 13. Um, I want to preface that my team are made up of players who are retired or have code switched. Okay, cool. Okay, here we go. Fullback, Billy Slater. Right wing, Aquili Uate. Right centre, Josh Morris. Left centre, Israel Folau. Left wing, Roger Tulvasashek. 5'8", Greg Inglis. <laughs> Seven, my scrum half, Jonathan Thurston. My fullets. Why are you laughing? Because this team would... World domination here. Yes. Um, my, and these are my forwards. My eight would be Ruben Wiki. Love that guy. Oh, yes. One of my favorites. Number nine, Cameron Smith. Number 10, Petro Livonadeva. Number 11, Sam Thiday. Number 12, Boyd Cordner. And my number 13, Paul Gallen. Wow. That team would not get beat. In their prime, all those guys, mm. best in their position at one point or another. I know. I love Ruben Wiki. I know. Such a legend of the game. Yeah. It's a good side. Thank you. They're See really if they can strong. Get out of right? retirement in uh, two years' time to play. Are you sad you didn't get make the cut? Uh, a little bit, but oh, harsh, oh, harsh, I, I think <laughs> they need benches, so I'll put my hand up for 18th man. All right, so my players I've chosen are from like current players that will be off contract in 2023. So okay, these guys could possibly end up there, but. I haven't got salary cap, so there's no like money issues here. That'd be well over, I think. <laughs> no, this is in a world where we can choose whatever. So my fullback, I'm going Dylan Edwards. Just won a premiership with the Panthers, and he's young enough to still have plenty of upside. Jackson Paulo on one wing uh, from the South Sydney Rabbitohs. The other wing, Remus Smith, uh, son of Tyron Smith, plays down at Melbourne. The centers, Joseph Manu and Herbie Farnworth. I love the way he plays. He's got a cool name as well, Herbie. Number six, Anthony Milford. He's going to the Rabbitohs. <laughs> he's going to make a comeback. He's like... You're banking good. on the comeback. Well, he played good at the, the last few games he played for the Broncos. Yeah. He's going to have a really good season, I believe, at the Rabbitohs next year and then 2023 up at the Redcliffe Dolphins. Lachlan Lamb at number seven, Papua New Guinea, son of Adrian Lamb and a gun up-and-coming half. Siwa Takiaho, front rower from the Roosters. Brandon Smith at number nine. We all know what Brandon Smith can do. Christian Walsh, the other front rower from the Melbourne Storm. Viliami Kikau in the back row. He's off contract Is in 23. He? They don't want to sign him again. I think he's like just like he's already contracted up until the end of 2022. Okay, so right, gotcha. I'm taking him off their hands. And then number 12, the other second row, Angus Crichton from the Roosters. And then number 13, Isaiah Papali'i from the Eels. So this team's got some serious power. Yeah, that's a really gun team. So to all our listeners out there, we've just read off our teams. Who do you think would win in a game? And I've already got an answer for that. It's Sarah's. Her team's gun. <laughs> they would flog my team. <laughs> But anyone else thinks differently, please uh, let us know on our socials. Yes, I'd love to hear it. Anyway, there was sport that happened on the weekend. Aside from our challenges that we set for ourselves, there was plenty going on in international rugby. Yes, there was. And the first fixture that kicked off was between Australia and Japan. As we know, the Wallabies are currently abroad for their spring tour. And their first match actually was played in a stadium where Australia had some really bad memories. That was a stadium where the Wallabies had lost to England in the 2019 uh, World Cup final. But... They went out to seek redemption and that they did against a Japanese side. To be fair, 
throughout that game, it probably wasn't the most polished performance from the Wallabies. As we know, they were in hot form following the rugby championships. They were four on the trot and they were able to get the job done. There were some really spectacular performances from Quade Cooper. We know that he has been so sensational for the Wallabies um, since he's come through and really steered the boys around the park. A real standout for me was Rob Valentini. As we know, he is a Fijian. He is from Melbourne and the number six was in hot form. The Wallabies also named him um, at the time of recording as the defender of the test. So in conclusion, the Wallabies, rough start to their spring tour, but a win is a win. They're going to take that and they're now um, making their way through to Europe. Well done, the Wallabies. Five in a row. That's really impressive considering how... It's the comeback, baby. The season started, the international season started against the All Blacks. Tenilo Tupo, another try, try scoring uh, front row. He is a gun. Tenilo Tupo, he's one of my favourites. He's humongous and he's so strong, not only at set piece, but just with running the ball in hand. Very talented human being. The All Blacks are over in America. They played in Washington against the USA rugby team and it was a little bit of a lopsided affair. Lopsided? Like, yeah, lopsided is (laughs) understating it probably. No. As you said, the All Blacks are currently in the US and they had a match set up against the Eagles where they thrashed USA 104 to 14. It was a pretty rough match. I think that's that's fair to say. In the opening 28 seconds of the game, the All Blacks managed to find the wash. So that's never a promising sign. And as we know, the US aren't known for playing rugby. Like it's not necessarily their main sport. Um, however, in 2027, they have put their hand up to host the Rugby World Cup. Potentially a tournament as big as the World Cup could see um, participation, perhaps exposure and and more more talent being attracted to the game. Well it's it's 5 years away just just over 5 years away. The All Blacks are well known internationally. They're one of the the most popular sporting teams in the world. So to be able to have a team of their caliber playing against your national side even though it was a huge scoreline as you said. Um, I think that's good for rugby to have that attention on rugby in the country and there's time for things to turn around in terms of the development the pathways and participation as you said. Um, but um, yeah, it was a bit of a tough night or a tough afternoon mm. there for the USA team. Really nice touch before the game, Sean. Wainui was uh, recognised. There was a jersey presentation that the USA team placed a jersey down at the centre of the field and the All Blacks collected the jerseys and performed a hucker in, um, in honour of him. So uh, really nicely done by both teams. Absolutely. And back here on home soil, the uh, Matildas hosted a match against Brazil at Western Sydney Stadium and it was... The Matildas all the way, 3-1. Good performance from them. Huge. I love the fact that the Matildas are back here on Australian soil after a very um, outstanding campaign in Tokyo. As you mentioned, they won 3-1 to one over Brazil. The Matildas scored goals through Claire Polkingholm, Mary Fowler, as we know, who is a proud Papua New Guinean girl, and Emily Van Egmond. So it was a friendly match. Uh, I'm just really, really happy that the Matildas are here. Up the girls. Yeah, go the Matildas. And the atmosphere looked amazing. Nelly, what was yes. the atmosphere like? It was incredible. Yeah. They were so loud. It was amazing. And so good to be back at live yes. sport with a crowd. So good. That's awesome. I'm really happy to see Mary Fowler's name on the score sheet. I have had the opportunity to speak to her before and she's just the sweetest girl. Yeah, great to see Mary up there. Other sports from across the other side of the world, the NBA. The Brooklyn Nets went down uh, 127 to 104 against the Milwaukee Bucks, but Patty Mills debuted and he tied the Nets record for the most threes made off the bench, seven from seven in that game. He went on to play against the Philadelphia 76ers a few days later and nailed another three in a row, threes. Uh, So that took him to 10 uh, from 10 three-pointers, which is awesome shooting from Paddy Mills, one of the most likable guys in Australian Mm. sport. So just to clarify that, every chance that he had to shoot a three, he nailed it. Nailed it, yeah. Wow. So well done, Paddy Mills. Other sports in the States, the NFL, which we know I love and have been following pretty closely. This one I want to draw our attention to, New England Patriots played against the New York Jets. So the New York Jets aren't traveling too well, but um, it was a huge win for the Patriots, 54 to 13. But a guy that we made note of last week, Kendrick Bourne, is a wide receiver. He's part Samoan. He plays for the New England Patriots. And he came up with a really good play as a trick play where the quarterback dished it to him running across the back of the offensive line. And he turned around and threw a ball um, downfield 25 yards to get a touchdown, which wide receivers don't do. And Kendrick Bourne's Bourne's showing a little bit of his skills there as a a thrower of the ball instead of a runner of the ball. And it was a really big play. He also had four catches for 68 yards. So huge performance from him uh, and the New England Patriots. 
Other games, Miami Dolphins, who we keep an eye on for Tua Tungavailoa, who's their quarterback. He just returned two weeks ago, and he had a huge game. wasn't enough to beat the Falcons. They went down tw- uh, 30 to 28, sorry, and um, he threw, I think, 417 yards as a quarterback, which is huge. And um, yeah, his stats were off the charts. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough to get uh, the win for his Dolphins. Um, But yeah, that was uh, the two games I wanted to highlight from the weekend in NFL. But I also have to come to my lesson of the week for what goes on in an NFL game. Now, Nelly, you asked about sacks. What are sacks? You heard that said on on a broadcast. You're watching a game and- Yeah, I keep hearing a sack and I'm like, what is a sack? So a sack is when the defensive line gets through and tackles the quarterback before he can get a pass away. So the quarterback stands behind the line, gets the ball off the snap, and then he tries to find a receiver or hands it off to a to a runner, or he runs himself. But yeah, when he's taken the snap, if he gets tackled by those defenders rushing through, it's a sack, and usually it's a loss of yards for that. So big play defensively. That's very cool. Thank you so much, Gene. Reporting to you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Steve. I'm Reporting glad I live. could fill you in on NFL to my extent of knowledge. No, we really appreciate it, don't we, Nelly? We do, and I can't wait to hear what next week's lesson is. Yeah, great. Go start googling. <laughs> hey Siri, what is a sack? <laughs> <laughs> she picked it up. Yeah, she's looking for it. Silly girl. Talanoa time. On Can You Be More Pacific? Today for Tullamore Time, we are joined by rugby player Grace Coronavalu. She's a two-code footy player dabbling in some league with the tweets here, girls. But earlier this year, she played for the President's 15 in the Super W competition. That wasn't necessarily her first taste of the sport because she has been playing rugby, a.k.a. the game they play in heaven, since she was a youngster. Grace joins us today from Queensland. Bulla, Grace, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Um, Grace, before we get stuck into it, could you familiarise us with where you're from in Fiji? Um, So my dad is actually from Latoka. Um, That's where he was brought up. So I wasn't actually born over there. Um, I'm actually born in Australia and from Gosford, um, New South Wales. But yeah, my dad's from there and his side of the family as well. Is it somewhere that you've been to? You've been able to travel back to to Fiji, to the village where your, your dad's from? Yeah, um, well, I haven't been to like his village, but more so my grandma's village, which is um, Nukumbolu. Um, I've been over there when I was six years old, but I haven't been back there since. So yeah, I was there at a very young age. Is there anything that growing up, was there any cultural uh, customs or traditions or anything that your um, your dad brought you up with that uh, really resonate with you from a Fiji side of things? Um, yeah, he did tell us that um, we had a chief in our family um, from our ancestors. I wasn't really sure of like, the name, but I noticed that when we went to the village when I was young, there was like a lot of people that looked up to like our name and our family um, as we entered, and especially my grandma. She carried that area, that where we were from. That's really special, Grace, because I, I know exactly what you're talking about, particularly when you're from a chiefly family in Fiji and culture. It's something that's mm-hmm. very much respected or, um, you know, it, people reverend that that kind of uh, title. So that's really cool that you got to experience yeah. that firsthand with your bumbu and your family. That mm-hmm. being said, so I know that you're a footy player. You've played some league. You've played some union. So take us to young Grace. How did you get stuck into football? So um, first off, my mum and my dad were both rugby players. Hey. Um, and, yeah, my mum started off at um, Sydney Two Blues and she played there. And then my dad did um, more so league and then jumped into, like, union as well. And then my brother and sister both play. And it's kind of just been a family tradition where, like, we're just, like, yeah, I've just been born into um, rugby and I've just been playing it ever since I was, like, exposed to it. Obviously, rugby was in the family, but what is it about the sport that, that you loved from uh, from the get-go? Uh, I just loved when um, my when my brother was playing and my dad was coaching his team and, like, every training I would be there, like, after school or just even joining them. And it would make me want to just put on my footy boots and, like, run around with them. And, like, I wasn't really around, like, anything, like, stuff that um, other girls do. It's always been my older brother and my dad that I've been around with. Um, by in my childhood and so I've just jumped into their shoes where I just played rugby with them and then um, started playing it at the age of nine and then playing under 10s and then under 12s and then after that ends up finishing um, playing 15s with the boys because when you're a girl and you're 10, 13 like you can't play 
that um, anymore. So then jumped into sevens where there was a lot of exposure on the Gold Coast, which is where we moved down to. And then, yeah, just went off from there and just kept playing rugby. And I just kept loving it because of just the sport and the girls and just playing around the park. That's really cool. You, you, your childhood sounds a lot like mine, just hanging around um, like a bad smell on the sidelines while you watch your smelly brothers um, train. To, yeah. I can totally yeah. empathise with that whole experience. Yeah, it's literally like that. <laughs> so you grew up and you're playing rugby union and you transitioned into seven. So how did league make its way on the scene? Oh, so I actually got approached um, by one of my friends who I played union with when I um, moved down to the Gold Coast and she was playing for Twee um, and then ended up making Broncos and then she asked me to come play and join the team um, just because they needed more forwards. And so I was like, I've, I've always been about when you get an opportunity, just take it. And mm. so I was like, oh, I'm just going to try this out, see how it goes. And I was very excited and just jumped into the preseason in um, the start of this year in January and then just went from there. Yeah, it's been great. What, what are the big differences that, that you've found between both codes, league and union? Oh, I found that um, it's a bit more like structured with like league, like how they wanted, like especially when it came to like doing set piece and it was very, um, how do you say it? They... They always want like you to run the ball a certain way or you have to run lines and whereas league um union, sorry, you have a bit more freedom on like where the ball goes and how you play. Whereas in league it's it's a bit more structured because you have to um you only have six plays and then it's turnover ball, whereas in union you can just keep going for as long as you want. Yeah, good good observations there. I, I want to go back to the President's 15, which Sarah mentioned in your intro. Uh, you got the opportunity to play Super W Rugby earlier on in the year. That must have been a really good experience and, and something that, um, I guess, at such a young age, it was, uh, it was pretty big. Yeah, yeah. It was a great opportunity. Um, when I got the call up to play that, it was just, like, mind-blowing. Like, even though it wasn't for, like, the team that you would originally go for, like, um, like a state team, it was still like a second chance for me um, to still play CPW. And when I went into it, it was like every girl there was like on the same page and they all just wanted to play rugby and just have fun and be still be in that competitive um, zone and just, yeah, love the sport they were playing. But for me, I just, yeah, I just loved being in it and with the girls and um, playing the sport I love. For any of our listeners joining us, we have Grace Cronivalio on the phone with us. Grace, I just want to touch a little bit more on that whole Super W experience. So for context, um, listeners, that competition is Australia's premier 15s for the women's rugby, for women's rugby, sorry. And the President's 15 was a new addition to the competition. Grace, as a the President's 15, I was in the stands when you guys had your first match against WA and you guys really mm. fought it out to the end and you guys did a lot better than everyone was expecting you to. What was the feel like in, in camp and what was your perception or your first taste like of the Super W? Yeah, well, in camp, like when we um, got to meet everyone, everyone was just so like welcoming and open-minded and like there wasn't that pressure where we had to um, hold so like when if you were like in a state team it was like there was a lot of like some people felt a lot of pressure to have to perform but when we were put in this president's team it was like it was the same kind of thing but it was more like just having fun and like being the underdogs as like everyone was like talking about and just going out there with like nothing to lose and I think that's what we held um, when we played it was just yeah having nothing to lose. I love that. And, you know, you look at your, your journey to date and you in the Super W this year and you've just been recently announced as part of the Reds Academy, which is essentially the squad that Queensland Reds will choose their Super W team. How did you get the call up and how does it feel to be, you know, training alongside the likes of Sham Perry, who is an Aussie women's rugby legend? Yeah, I got the call up um, a bit after the Super W campaign because we had a few more club um, games to play and then they went into finals and after finals they started reaching out to like players to join the squad but um, I got told that there was going to be um, a squad announced in the academy 
and then when I got into the academy and then we had our like first training it was like everyone was there and seeing like Shan Perry in like the first training I was so shocked and like <laughs> I was so nervous and oh, I just couldn't even have a conversation or even go and approach her because she was just so focused and it was just like a bit intimidating but it was just amazing when you're such a young player and you get into that environment and you're already training with the idols that like you've always looked up to when, when you first started out rugby it's just a great feeling when you jump into that. Now I'm, I'm from the other cat I'm from rugby league and I always try to recruit people over to rugby league. You've already had a, a dabble at it with the tweet team. I was like, no, I know you're on the up with rugby union at the moment, but it's a really long year for yeah. women's rugby league next year. So do you ever think about just hopping across for maybe the NRLW competition? Oh, well, I haven't been like reached out by any clubs to play in the NRL, but like, as I said, like with opportunities, I get like the Queensland Reds Academy is the first opportunity I got this year to do something like for next year. So I'm just taking that this year and then, yeah, just see how, seeing how that goes. That's but, good. yeah, I don't think jumping over to league anytime soon. That's all right. There's an opening there. So I'll um, yeah, I'll see, Mate, see if I've got any you... friends at the Broncos or at Gold Coast. Every and... time we have a rugby <laughs> guest, you're just planting your seeds. I have to grow the game <laughs> of rugby league. <laughs> and you're going to have some serious words after this interview. <laughs> <laughs> Grace, so what's what's the next step now for, for the Reds? Is it you guys are training and then is it just before Christmas they're going to announce their Reds um, squad? And, you know, I'm, I play for the Waratahs, so this kind of intel will uh, – is like it's really juicy news to me. Yeah, yeah. You want to know all the tea? Yeah, come on, spill the but, tea. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's kind of just like um, yeah. So we're training now. Um, we're getting ready for like some squad trials, and then we um, obviously have a selection um, at the end of the year after Christmas into like who makes the CBW squad, and then it just goes on from there. Love it. And looking forward to the 2022 season, we have a huge calendar. We've got Super W up the front and it's also a World Cup year. Is that something that you have your sights set on? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like um, we were told that there would be like a World Cup next year and just even going into the academy, like it's definitely an insight and a goal that I want to reach um, hopefully later on um, in the future and just working towards that and just being this academy, like everyone's, I think, has that in their goal to be able to make that World Cup. I love but, yeah, it. it's amazing. That's awesome. Well, good luck with selections. I certainly hope to see you on the field next year at Super W in your Reds kit. That would be pretty freaking special. Yes, I hope so. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Well, great to see you as well. Yes. Yes. I love that. See, Dean? Us two on the field next year. <laughs> I'll still watch rugby. Yeah, yeah nah. <laughs> you're, you're actually the ultimate supporter. Yeah, rugby. I'll, I love all sport, but league's the best. So anyway, Anywho. enough about league. <laughs> Grace, um, before we let you go, we have a segment at the end of our interviews that we love to run with our guests called Tip On. Um, and basically, I'm just going to ask you a series of questions. It's meant to be fun. It's lighthearted. Don't think too hard um, and just mm-hmm. say the first thing that comes to mind. Do you? Are you up for it? Yeah, 100%. All right, love it. Let's hit the clock. All right. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Oh, I've been watching um, Squid Game. I just finished that not long ago, and it's oh so intense. What was your first concert? Oh, Lauren Hill in Brisbane. <gasps> Good girl. Who, was your, yeah. who is your most annoying teammate? Teammate? Oh, I have to say Mel Wilkes. Always has something to say. Who is your sporting hero? Thanks. Um, sporting hero, I would say Tia Toomey in the CrossFit. What would be your wrestler entrance song? Oh, I don't know. Um, probably Last Breath. I think Last Breath, Last Breath. Okay. Yeah. What was your favourite movie as a kid? Um, I have to say Cheaper by a Dozen. <laughs> Good. What's something you could eat for a month straight? Uh, burgers, 100%. Favourite place you've travelled to? Um, Hong Kong. Hey, what is your dream car? Um, a Volkswagen. Last question, rugby league or rugby union? Oh, rugby union. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, that's all right. That's all right. I knew you'd say that. Did you that, like wasn't, the- that wasn't even on the list either of questions. <laughs> Sarah's no, just added question. that. <laughs> Not the remix questions. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, Grace, it's been an absolute pleasure for us to interview today. We wish you all the best um, with Academy Selections and can't wait to see what you do on the field in 2022. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. That was Grace Garanivalu. She is the Queensland Academy squad member for the Super W Queensland Reds and hopefully she'll be taking on SAS next year in the Super W competition. Let's go. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? We're up to our favourite segment of the show. If you've ever wanted to ask a current or a former athlete anything, this is what this segment is all about. And this week we have received a question from FoxyBabe underscore 93. Yes, and the question is, how important is it for players to feel a sense of belonging? Oof, this is heavy. It's heavy. It's, a bigger, it's almost a bigger question than sport, but I think one of the key things about being a part of a team is, is to feel um, like you do belong and to feel connected to everyone that is within that team. I, that was something that I always valued from the game of rugby league. When I finished uh, playing, the thing that I missed the most was that daily um, turning up and, and doing something that I loved, but doing it alongside a group of people that also loved it and then feeling like I was contributing to the overall goal, whatever that is, to, to win a premiership, to win a game, to to perform as best as we could. And, um yeah, I certainly felt a sense of belonging in every team that I played in, and it was um, something that I very I valued quite a bit, and it's the thing that I was most grateful for in, in my time playing the game. What do you think of that question, Sarah? I think it's is a really important question. I can say with a with a lot of pride that I've been on the side of you know being a part of a team where I've always felt like I belonged, and I've also witnessed my friends be part of a team that they don't feel like they were included or they had a place to belong. Um, but it's it's hugely important because when you have a strong sense of belonging to the team or the environment that you're in, it makes you want to contribute and it makes you want to turn up. But on the flip side of that, there are players who might not necessarily feel a connection to the team or might feel like they operate on different levels or they might have like cliques and groups that kind of promotes exclusivity. And it's not fun for them. And I've definitely seen girls turn themselves um, away from teams or isolate themselves even further because they don't feel like they're being included. So I think to that question, like how important is it for players to feel a sense of belonging? It's hella important. But then I also think it begs a different question. How important is it for players to create a place where others can belong? Yeah. And I think that that is a challenge that is often faced and probably more than we think it does in different sporting teams. doesn't matter what code. Um, but I, I think it's just, you know, if you feel like you belong, it's also equally important to make sure that everyone else around you does too. There's a, a, an extension I was just thinking about as you're talking there, Sarah, to this question. It's um, belonging for those that aren't actually in the team every week because you can only... Oof, that's huge. You can only put seven, like in rugby league, you only have 17 players playing each week. So in a squad of 30, there's 13 p- players that miss out on getting a game. Every now, week. their goal and their effort that they put in throughout a preseason, throughout training each week, doesn't change the fact that they want to play in that 17 every week. So when they don't get that shot, what kind of environment is there that supports them and still makes them feel like they're contributing to the team's performance? Um, there's players that are injured as well. So when players get removed from the general population of training, they're in rehab and they're trying to get back on the field because of their injury. Often that's a time when they feel really isolated and like they don't belong because they're not out there contributing. They're not able to play the game and um, it's it's really important that clubs create cultures where and teams create cultures where those players feel like they are a part of it every day so not taking them away and training them by themselves where they don't see the team or not getting them involved in um, on-field sessions where they can at least watch or um, contribute by offering a perspective on what's happening on the field that it can really um, make that isolation of being injured even worse so it's it's a good question to sort of go past you know feeling like you belong to the group, but also feeling like you are there when you're not physically performing each week. I love that you said that because you totally triggered a memory of mine from when I had my first call up to the Wallaroos and we were touring and I wasn't included in the game day 23s. I definitely felt like I didn't belong in the squad or I wasn't worthy of being in the squad because I hadn't, like and still today, I haven't capped. So there are moments that you don't feel like you belong, but it's like the players around you have a huge role um, in making sure that you feel included in all of those things that you just said, being able to contribute to conversations, not training, you know, on the side while you're, you're starting 15 or on the field. So it's a really good question. So, oh, we've got a hand up in the air from Nelly. Hit our sister. I just want to know what is um, a way that you have found 
to create that sense of belonging within a team? Other than training together, is there anything else that you did together that really cemented that feeling of belonging in the team? You always hear about bonding sessions. Bonding sessions are not necessarily outdated in mm-hmm. um, footy anymore, but they still they still carry a lot of value in terms of getting to break down some barriers and break the ice more so and get to know people. Involving families is really a good way. I, when I first got to the Bulldogs, when I changed clubs, um, I went with uh, one daughter, my wife, and didn't know – I knew one person there that I'd um, known as a, as a youngster, but they made my family feel so welcome. They had family days off. There's a lot of kids in that club, and um, my wife felt – straight away at home. I felt very at home straight away and um, they just included me and my extended family because they know the importance of that. And I know all the good clubs in, in the NRL in particular, they have a really good way of doing that, bringing players in and saying, hey, we want to get to know your wife, your partner, your kids, whoever it is, your, your mum and your dad. Um, they go to that extra effort to make that the case. Mm. Just adding to that, something that we do at the Waratahs is at the beginning of each year, we pretty much go in a circle and, you know, all crying by the end of it. Um, but basically we get to talk about like our journey to date. And I think that creates a, a stronger sense of connection to each other because we can see where everyone's coming out or what they're walking into the squad with. Um, so that's really cool. And I really respect um, that ritual that we have that's been driven by a leadership group. But another one outside of that is at dinner time, we're not allowed to have phones and it's like your responsibility to go and sit with someone that you don't necessarily interact with. So as a forward, I interact a lot with the other forwards, but when we go in for dinner time at Waratahs, it's no phones, go find someone else, ask them how their day is and don't settle for, oh, I was good. Like find out why it was good. So there, there are small things, they're one percenters, but, and it doesn't cost you anything other than effort. So people shouldn't feel excluded because, you know, it's, it's also, it's, it, and I want to make it clear, it's, it's twofold. You need to put yourself out there to be included because, you know, sometimes people are shy, um, but just like take a step forward and, you know, people will, We'll respect that and, and, and be drawn towards you too. So thank you so much, Foxy Babe um, 93, for your question. Um, definitely got us thinking and I think it was a, a very stimulating conversation. Very much so. If you have a question yourself, you can send it to ABC Sport on Instagram or slide into our DMs at Serenangama or at Dean Hullitow also on Instagram. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Time for a little bit of a change of pace. We head over for our Island Life segment to Papua New Guinea, where our man on the ground, Peter Pasol, has a story for us. This is Peter Pasol reporting for Can You Be More Pacific? I'm here today with Paul Siwi, the newly elected president of the PNG Rugby Union. Uh, welcome to the show, Paul. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got elected last month. Uh, thank you, Mr. Pusal. Uh, I started rugby in at university in uh, 1996 with a team called Grounds. The Grounds lasted 15 years at the university. We moved on to Port Mosby. We started in 2019 under the NCD Rugby Union. And we've been there for the last three years playing in the local competition. When the last AGM came up, they nominated me. I accepted the nomination, went in the election, and on September the 25th, we voted in as the president. You were voted in uh, with a majority of uh, 14 out of 18 votes? Uh, yeah, 14 out votes. of 18 votes, uh, one, one abstained. Well, that, that's, a, that's a big vote of confidence, mm-hmm. and also I think it's, it shows that the union wants to move forward and uh, have some change and, and some positive uh, progress. Uh, just tell us what your plans are over your three-year term. What do you hope to, uh, to accomplish? Uh, we have about 19 provincial unions. They were not registered to PNG Rugby as as far as uh, Oceania Rugby is concerned. They were not registered, so we had to do the registrations before the AGM. So we did that, and they got registered before they they got accepted as member 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 unions. Uh, so were they fully compliant? They were they were fully compliant. We made sure they were fully compliant. Rugby is a highly organized game, so we had to meet those uh, requirements. And the provincial unions, when they voted us, they wanted specific things, you know, like. Provincial unions are never supported by PNG Rugby. Never they, they were in terms never, of funding? And no funding. They, they, training, anything else? Well, they support them through training and uh, education, but no funding. Mm. And yet, PNG Rugby expects them to come forth with the goodies, the, the player base. Right. So the talent base. Too. Yeah, the talent base, yeah. yeah. So that we want to change. In the course of our term, we want to fund provincial unions. How, how would you go about doing that? 
uh, we fund them through like uh, increase the training we, we increase uh, the, the training drive we have to get the technical officials qualified through through the processes referees yeah. coaches yes. trainers that we have to do mm. and we have to do more of it for those who are on whatever levels we have to upskill them to the next level uh, and for the officials like uh, what we want to do is we want to take out the volunteerism in rugby we used to have volunteers running rugby before yes that needs to stop you want to actually employ people we have to pay them we have to okay because they are the frontline people who run this game they have to have some allowances paid so they can turn up at the field on time and then educate at the game yes so those things we want to do we want to fund uh, the professional unions we want to uh, look after the, the match officials and uh, upskill the coaches the trainers everybody at the professional level so that when they come up they provide the, the player base we need for the national teams all right now we've we've had a lot of sevens rugby being played over the last two three years uh, but 15s also has a role to play in this country i mean isn't that the base of rugby union shouldn't that be the place where uh, png rugby is uh, looking to develop yes uh we have to regulate the game meaning that we can play sevens but those sevens must come out of 15s competition we have to run 15s first and then the sevens must come out of a club a 15s yeah. club and 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 like that but but next year we plan to run a full like a city wide or like a in the city sevens full on we've been we've been discussing for some time now we expect to find the biggest and the tallest papua new guineans size matters size, size matters according to us we need to find them in daru in kerama in the sipic the NGI. In the NGI, we need to bring them out. The Western Islands, the Eastern Islands, we need to bring them out. Okay. Now, those are all grand plans, and ultimately the goal is to produce not just well-run competitions and to increase the player base, but at right at the top of the pyramid, you want to produce a competitive uh, international rugby team, the Pukpuks, whether it's sevens or fifteens, uh, and also the, the women's team. Um, you're going to need sponsorship. You're going to need funding. Yes. Where are you planning to get that funding? And I heard that you, you have some support from some uh, senior politicians. Uh, I hear the governor of uh, Port Mosby or NCD is, uh, has expressed his interest to help rugby. Please tell us a little bit about the, that side of, uh, of your executive uh, management or your tenure as president. During the days here, we, we nominated our patron for PNZ Rugby, which, who is uh, the governor for NCD, uh, Honorable Paul Spakop. And I didn't know that he was discussing rugby. Suddenly, when he became the patron, we have already like secured the stadium, the best in the Pacific, the Seiyuetmari Stadium. It's going to be the home of rugby for the next three years or six years. And we we're also talking to corporate sponsors. We also thank the member for Mosby South who's come on board because the stadium is in his electorate. They are putting together plans, so we are planning to host uh, Pacific Games. Uh, the Oceania 7s and Oceania 15s, the Tier 3 Nations uh, Rugby for 7 15, we're planning to host them here in the city. We are, we are hoping to uh, bring visitors into Port Mosby. Hopefully that will be when uh, COVID-19 restrictions are relaxed and we get over this, uh, this virus that's been impacting not just us, not just the region, but the entire world. Um, but finally, um, Mr. Siwi, on your presidency, congratulations. Uh, what would you like to tell um, the listeners out there, the not just in PNG, but the region about PNG rugby? What can they expect from PNG rugby over the next course of the, your, your term and, and beyond? Uh, thank you. We, we, in our strategic plan, I make this stand that we have to declassify rugby. Rugby is no longer a privileged sport played by a few. Rugby must be made accessible by everybody in this country. So we want to bring rugby to every province. Every province in this country must kick the rugby ball. And I believe in those far ends of this country, we'll find the best players who will make the Pop team. And when we do that, of course, uh, our international, like our opponents in mm. the Pacific, they will see that we are a new team. We are no longer the old rugby. We are, we, are, we are a new rugby team. We're gonna come, come firing. Because not only we will have the player base, but we will also have the sponsorship, we'll have the funding, and we'll have the training facility, everything to support our, our, our elite players. We also provide them the, the high-performance training. We'll put them on wages, we'll look after them. 
because they represent us at the national level, at the, at the international level. So that, that, those, those are some of our plans. All right. Thank you, Mr. Siwi, for your time on Can You Be More Pacific? We appreciate it and we wish you all the best in the future. That was really cool to hear um, firsthand exactly the plans that PNG have installed for the great game of rugby. Certainly was, and um, a, a real real focus on getting participation numbers up, resourcing appropriately. So having qualified people, paying people instead of having huge. like relying on volunteers, and then also the the one bit that, that I really liked is de- he said declassifying the sport, so making it more accessible to more people. At the at the moment, it sounds like uh, it's only limited to to a few people, and I'm really opening it up so that they can grow that participation base. Yeah, it was really cool to hear him say that they want to see people kicking a ball in every province. And, you know, in a nation like PNG where they really respect field sports and there's a real uptake of it, I have no doubt that if they put in the the time and the effort, um, as we heard in the report, no doubt we will see participation numbers rise and the puk-puks rise to be a formidable side in rugby union. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Keeping it social. <laughs> <laughs> I could almost sense excitement in your voice. No, I do. I love social media. I've been actually spending a bit more time on social media trying to get um, capture content, but also just like trying to be better at it because I'm you. rubbish at it. Good for you to know that you're working on your weaknesses. Yeah. Is there an appropriate time to post? Oh, this is really good. This is a good question. So back in the, like I would say about three years ago, you knew exactly what times to post, but the algorithm's thrown out a little bit. So you kind of have to know, like I absolutely know when to post for my audience. Yeah, okay. My times have to be between 7 to 9. A.M., P.M. 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 I don't, you, oh, you'll never catch me post in the morning. Okay. Does it get looser by P.M.? Said, uh, 9 P.M., sorry? No, just engagement is lower. Oh, I mean your posts. Oh. <laughs> Usually on a night out. <laughs> <laughs> That's why my close friend stories exist. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. No one needs to say that. I am a professional. So I teach you about NFL, you teach me about social media. Yeah. Sounds about right. (laughs) What do you got for us this week, Sarah? (laughs) So my social this week comes um, from Instagram. The handle is the rugby trainer. And he basically has this video where he talks about all the different uh, ruck techniques. And it's meant to be satirical because there are a lot of ways that people clean a ruck, whether it's effective or ineffective. But I can resonate with so many of these. Like, you know, when you're clearing a ruck, you want to be like low, you want to be strong and you want to basically do that, clear out the ruck. But there are people who come and they just like rest on the ruck. There are people who flop on the ruck. There are people who try and do a Superman and like be really, really powerful but have zero effect. So um, I just love it because it's it's funny because I can see myself in all of these different types of uh, ruckers. <laughs> <laughs> There's like eight in total, right? Yeah. So it comes up with eight different ruck types and – or some of those ones that you mentioned, I'd reckon I'd be the hugger. Just go in and just go, hug. Mine is definitely the ruck inspector because I, like, I wouldn't go for the ball typically. Um, so, you know, I'll get there and if I'm like, oh, they're over it, I'll just like step to the side of the ruck and just get ready to like either get off What's or next? make the next. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Fair um, enough. Yeah. That's just me because I could totally see myself in all different eight positions. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. My- <laughs> This week, my my favourite social comes from one of the other codes of football in Australia, AFL, and uh, Patrick Dangerfield from the Geelong Cats. He's going through rehab at the moment, and he put up a pretty cute um, post with his daughters, and his um, daughter's sitting next to him while he's got the dumbbells in his hand, and she's also got some dumbbells, and it's uh, really sweet. She's in a, a dress, a princess dress, and then Aww. right at the end of the clip, it cuts away, and his other daughter's recording the clip by the looks of it, so... Could get in his daughters involved. I've got two daughters myself, so I can uh, daughters yeah, of Instagram. Relate. Yeah, I really like that. And I, you can, if you want to see it, jump onto our uh, ABC Instagram and um, check it out. It's cute. That's that's a good pick from you. I like cute. Cute. Can't wait to see your TikTok with your daughters. Oh, I still got to get onto that. Yeah, waiting. In the run, tackling the tough headlines in sport. On can you be more Pacific? This week in the Rock, we don't have many tough headlines to tackle, but more so some feel-good stories, beginning with the Blackfern Sevens girls who have been recognised for their efforts in the Tokyo Olympics. Yes, they received the award as the best female team to compete at the Tokyo Olympic Games. It was held uh, at the Association of National Olympic Committees, ANOC, 
Awards, which were held in Crete. And uh, it was a virtual, obviously a virtual award ceremony, but the Black Fern Sevens team were quite dominant throughout the Olympic series and, and captured the gold medal and also um, did it in style. So well done to the Black Fern Sevens team. Yeah, huge, huge accomplishment. Turning our attention to the A-League women's season, the Wellington Phoenix have named their first three Australian-based players. Yes, and they are Terere Moana-Walker, Isabel Gomez and Kushla Roo. They've all agreed to one-year contracts with the club. Huge. I also just want to make a mention of how young these girls are. Walker, she's 17. Gomez and Rue are both 18-year-olds. So to be exposed to that level of competition from such a young age means that they have a huge career ahead of them. Should we go for the Phoenix then? Yeah. Let's go for the Phoenix. I love that. We're calling it early. ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? Plenty to look forward to this week in sport, starting with Islands of Origin. Yes, I like that. The tournament is the latest addition to the Rugby League Samoa domestic calendar and it joins the new School of Origin series, which also kicked off last year. This series is really cool because you get to see the best of the best um, in Samoa go up against each other, just pretty much how a state of origin works. Yeah, it's a great idea, this fixture. Um, it's the island of origin, so where they're from over there in Samoa. The Apollo Maroons facing the Savai'i Blues in the best of three series. Last year, the Maroons won. Uh, so no doubt Savai'i trying to get one back on them this year. I do want to mention that there was uh, aspirations to see a women's island of origin competition um, coincide with the men's, but unfortunately there weren't enough sponsors. Um, That's pretty sad to hear, but um, let's hope that that's put on people's radar and we get to see it come to fruition next year. Yeah, shout out to all the sponsors over there in Samoa. If you want to get on board, Women's Rugby League is growing and you don't want Samoa to miss the boat. So get on and support the game and get it up next year. Go the girls. And there is another rugby fixture that's happening between the All Blacks and Wales. Yes, well, obviously the All Blacks Blacks coming off a good win against USA. Good win. Thumping win. Can you be like really like happy when you win by that much? Because they would have been going through the motions. Yeah. Anyway, they're coming up against Wales and they're going to want this to be a far more competitive match. Absolutely. No doubt Wales have done their homework and it will be that way for the All Blacks. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? It is that time where we say goodbye, but we will be back same time, same place next week. Yes, so if you miss the show or you just want to listen to all of this magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2pm PNG time, or you can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website. It's all here. More there. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.